0: hello everyone welcome back to another beyond eight figures i don't think it's any secret that i love diving into different types of business models and i've been fascinated by a lot of the new sort of approaches to talent talent management talent acquisition all variations of business models around talent i think COVID has kind of expanded the reach of you know how you think of where your talent is and what type of talent you can use in your businesses So today's guest is another one of those typical, built a really cool business and realized that his ability to grow his own business needed better talent and needed different ways of approaching his own talent. So he started building different types of outsourcing and workflow management for it to such a point where he started selling it to other people, this outsourcing capability. Really pretty cool to have success in the real estate space where it is, at least to me, it's a space where I really know so little about the workflow and yet to have success he did is pretty fascinating. And he's growing by leaps and bounds here with the real estate project solutions, his company, You know, so much so that they're now expanding to having another company, Liberty Business Solutions, that's going to work with all types of businesses. So, all right, let's get to this point. I'm really fascinated to talk to the real estate expert and outsourcing guru, Max Fish. Let's welcome Max. I've been looking really forward to this. Yeah, you know, as I was just talking to the audience about your background, you know, throughout real estate doing this. And now because of your experience and your knowledge in building real estate businesses and, you know, what you've done, I really am excited to kind of dive a little bit deeper into how you're helping other people by bringing in talent that you're finding and training and all this. But before we even dive too far into this, because I'll go a little bit off topic, how do you see yourself these days as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, my story is interesting in that it has, I don't want to say it fell into this, because that makes it sound like it was just totally dumb luck. But For me, my day-to-day role has changed. When I started in the real estate business early 2000s, kind of doing my thing, and I did a lot of marketing, was very interested in marketing, I had at one time as many as eight full-time employees in my office, you know, set up in little cubicles, and uh, having to let them go, I had to come up with another solution. So a buddy of mine says, try virtual assistants, and that has basically grown into what it is today through a process of you know trial and error and then people asking me what to do. And so my entrepreneurial journey really was a product of me kind of listening to the market, I guess, and really trying to provide solutions for people, right? Fix people's problems. It's just interesting because I look now and I never would have guessed, you know, five years ago or or s- seven years ago, or whatever, before I had an understanding of, of outsourcing and of virtual professionals, that I would even be here. So I see myself as somebody who got very lucky, and again, really looked to help solve problems. I guess, um, you know, from an entrepreneurial aspect, again, which is what brought me to where I am today.
0: And that is cool, but you know, in looking at your background. I always like to say, you know, when I have guests who are like, oh, yeah, we kind of, I'm like, wait, I'm looking at your background. It makes completely logical sense of what you're doing, (laughs) you know. It's obvious because you've lived it. You've had quite a different one. But, you know, from 2020, yeah, you've put in the cycles to learn what's going on. And since you applied these things, it progresses, I guess. You know, when folks talk about like, oh, how did this happen? How that? It really makes sense to me since you did build this for yourself and then you kind of, what was sort of the thing, you know, I think we were chatting and like folks were just asking you how you were doing that. Was that sort of how this business kind of.
1: Correct. Yeah. So again, going back to my little visual there with, you know, as many as eight people uh, at the very end, I had eight people um, working in cubicles and basically for anyone who's had a, a, employees, if any of your listeners who have ever hired a true W two in office employees, they understand, you know, the problems, the complexities, and a lot of a lot of it. I didn't realize until I started hiring. But long story short, there were some major problems that that were not a fit. You know, people, you know, getting in fights with each other, like just really the kind of stuff you would expect in like high school, I guess, not in a in a professional office setting. But you know, these were $10, $12, $15 an hour people. And that's, you know, just what you get. They were younger folks. And, you know, I um, had to let everybody go. And when I implemented the virtual stuff, as I continued to add people, that's when other investors were coming to me saying, like, you know, how are you doing this? And and I would try to explain it to them. And they said, Why, you know, I did that and, and you know, and and it didn't work. they come back a month later, you know, I did what you said, and I'm not having the same success. And that' gradually led to people saying you know what can you just do it for me and i finally said okay but i gotta charge in and i remember like it was yesterday a guy says well how much do you want i said well oh man you know i, I don't even know right because i don't i didn't really know what my costs were because i was not they didn't know what my costs were but like i didn't understand how to segregate the costs in such a way where i could say okay you know one va with management everything is costing me x i got to put it out there at this much so i can pay people and bonus people and and all that. But yeah, it it literally grew out of people simply saying to me, how are you doing what you're doing? Because the idea of virtual assistants is very common now, but it's very easy to say, "Oh, go hire a virtual assistant." None of us are HR professionals just because how do you find the right people? You know, how do you vet those people? You know, how do you train those people? How do you manage those people? How do you, you know, there's this whole HR process that you have to go through. Like if I'd sat here and explained to you how we take someone from an initial application to a hiring, you'd fall out of your chair because it's so in-depth. Like we literally set it up so that people just basically give up because we want like the best of the best.
0: We've had some other guests in different fields or people who like train people how to do this. And what I find so amazing is... It is a lot of work, this whole idea of like, oh, you know what, just throw someone five bucks in a, you know, da, 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 you know, and it's so easy. You just great. time. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, maybe it's less than having someone who sits in your office with different types of cost structures. But the reality is it is not easy. I've seen people who do this again and again. And like you're saying, they have these intensive processes. And this is what I find so amazing that- to build this up isn't one, two, three. You know, it isn't just yeah, okay, yeah. We'll we'll find you something. Yeah, we'll get back to you. It is something intense. Well, yeah. You know, when was really the last
1: cool. time you went online and somebody was pitching a product and they said, "This is going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done in your entire life. You're going to hate it, and you're going to, you know, uh, just give us nine ninety seven and we'll get you started." The gurus want you to think that everything is easy, that making money is easy, that anyone can do it. Look, the sad reality is not everybody can do it. I was talking to a good buddy of mine yesterday and he made the comment. I forget what we were talking about, but we kind of touched on political stuff, which I I usually don't do. And uh, he basically said something along the lines of he was talking about this article that he read. And basically he touched on the fact that, you know, there has to be a leader and there has to be someone at the top. But that also means that there then has to be someone at the bottom. Everybody wants to be at the top, but not everybody can be at the top. And so same kind of idea, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. People ask me all the time, you know, uh, how I did what I did and, and, you know, oh, I'd love to do that. And it's, yeah, maybe you would, but you, you know, if you understood what it took, you might not, you know, because it's not all glitz and glamour.
0: Yeah. I mean, they love, I could see very easily that someone would love working and getting someone who really does fit the profile. I bet if we talk through, I've seen similar ones with other people who have these intents. And I'm always amazed because when I hire, I do try. And we have some process and I've gone through you know, some levels of best of breed. But I know compared to people who really do on large scale hire, the way you talk about for the real estate, it's like, oh my God, I, I couldn't do that. I mean, <laughs> one, I don't think my attention span is that long, but two, It is a lot of work being able to, you know, and this is where so much of that finding talent, especially in this day and age is such an interesting game here. And what you guys are doing is you're not making it easier. You're not you're expanding the possibilities of what can be done with talent acquisition for people to grow.
1: So our business now is almost as much Identification and vetting, as it is training, because we've identified that training, in particular, is such a big aspect. So you know, before before this this show, you and I were talking, and I uh, had mentioned, or maybe this was even maybe this was even yesterday, but you and I were talking, and I had mentioned a client that we were onboarding an individual for a new client, and basically we've spent. Uh, he's going to start next week, and we've basically spent the last two weeks training that person. Uh, On behalf of the client, because we found the right guy, everybody's very excited, and then it's oh man, now we gotta we gotta train him. How do we, you know, how do we do this? And not to mention, how how do I identify the time necessary, you know, to train this person? So we stepped in, and uh, my team is training the guy, and you know, instead of say taking forty hours, it's maybe one or two hours of the client's time, and we're kind of making up the rest on his behalf. So. It's not just simply, again, what the gurus would have you believe, which is, oh, yeah, go hire somebody. No big deal. It's all great. You know, Then you find out there's all these hurdles.
0: Yeah. I try to be really nice, but it's the people who tell you everything is one, two, three. I tend to find that they haven't run businesses that the people they're selling to have run. They tend to have run businesses selling to people who have businesses. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you guys, wait, how do you have this process? People who do coaching programs or the step-by-step guides and all this. And I'm like, but you haven't done this. Well, that's
1: that's a big problem, I find, is the people who, you know, my, my father always used to say to me, those who can do, those who can't teach. And I never quite understood that until obviously I got a little bit older. And you realize that, especially nowadays, there's a lot more money in coaching. I have people all the time. Oh, I'd love to have a business like you have because, you know, you're making all this money and everything's all great. And I say to people all the time, you have no idea, you know, first of all, I wish money was raining from the heavens. But aside from that, I'm not like sitting on a beach drinking margaritas, you know, with my three girlfriends all day. You know, that's not, that's not reality. I'm a lot of times the first one in the office and the last one to leave, um, you know, um, Michelle gets really upset with me all the time because you know there's Saturdays or Sundays where I might have to put in some hours. It takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to build something really strong, really sustainable. Right down to, I mean, look at your podcast. You know, how many shows have you done? How much time and energy and effort have you put into it? And you know, what people see is just that kind of front end, and then there's all this work on the back end that you've done. You know, same kind of idea.
0: What I find interesting about how you're approaching this is kind of counter that is you're taking a very deliberate, I mean, you may not use that, I'm, I'm going to turn, but I'm very fascinated from this a deliberate approach to doing things because too often getting back to those coaches or those, hey, do this, do that. They flood the market with noise. And even the most intelligent people, it's hard when you don't know a subject area like hiring broad or, you know, facilitating your own, you know, workflow processes or stuff like that, marketing growth analytics on my side. It is really funny when you talk to very intelligent people who are doing really cool things in other areas, specifically around business. And then you talk about it, they're like, I have no idea. You know, I'm hearing this, I got to do this. I get it. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. You know what? But tell you what, I love that you're being deliberate. Once again, I'm using my term, But it's the idea that it's not about getting everything right now because no one ever gets it right. What it is, is incremental improvements, directionally correct, just again and again and again.
1: It's funny you say that because you actually sound like me when I talk to my team. So, whenever we onboard a client, I say to someone, listen, we're going to take about 30 days to dial this thing in. And you have to understand there are going to be problems. The question is, how severe and how frequent? And hopefully they're not very severe and they're not very frequent, but there will be problems. I mean, just this morning I got a report from HR. We got two people that are out today. The one person got their COVID booster. You know, they're in I think Buenos Aires. They got their COVID booster and they're not feeling well. Uh, the other girl is uh, is pregnant and had uh, some kind of pain in her stomach or whatever and and had to go to the doctor. Hey, listen, things happen. So I'm very upfront about what's to come and I think people appreciate that to a degree but if I got into the if I really went into the weeds on it and said like look you gotta watch out for this and watch out for that and watch out for this we could actually scare people away because everybody wants to think it's easy but in reality look we've had people that have come on board you know we get them set up with somebody and it turns out they're not a good fit the most times that's ever happened with a client is four times so it actually took six weeks to find the right person because the first Three people literally came on board and either didn't make it through training, quit, or had some other issue, which was 100% their fault. It was not our fault. It was not the client's fault. And that's just the onboarding. And then to your point, once we are set up, as I always tell everyone, listen, we want to always be improving. I don't care how much or how little, but always be better than we were the day before. And that's kind of how I run my ship because nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Perfect. It's uh, it's just how it is as human beings. We're we're all inclined to make mistakes, or you know, not line up, you know, not mesh, you know, a hundred percent perfectly, or or whatever.
0: And I like that kind of approach because <laughs> one of my old pitches when I had my agency, especially in the early days when we did heavy duty analytics and SEO and paid media, was we would use one of those word cloud generators and we would throw. Yeah, you know, we went through and we're like, oh, there's like 500 things we kind of do when we do everything. We would toss them into the word thing, and that would be this big slide. And it's like, oh, this is what you need to get done. And like, that would be the first thing we would show the client. But the reality is we can take a deep breath and focus on where the key activities that are going to move you each step. We don't have to do everything now. Yeah. You and I need to have some drinks when I move back to the States this summer. Because I'm going to geek out on your approach. So let's kind of talk a little bit more about what's been helping you as an entrepreneur kind of have this transition now that you are, you know, you're growing this new company, you have your real estate business. What do you think has been the biggest impact on your ability to be an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I would say by far the people. So my schedule now is roughly 50% my real estate business, 50% my uh, VA called agency or or staffing company, however you want to refer to it. My real estate business is able to run mostly on its own because I have a few good people. My acquisitions, dispositions guy, my project manager for the rehabs kind of does its thing. I'm still involved because I have to make high level decisions. Do we want to buy this one? Do we want to pass on this one? That kind of stuff with the VA business, with the agency business, same thing. Okay. I make high level decisions on where we're going to spend marketing dollars or, or, you know, how we're going to help this client or that client. But for the most part, my operations manager, my HR manager, my marketing manager, these people are all put in place over the years to keep an eye on a specific area of the business that quite frankly, I don't have the time or energy for. You know, there's not enough hours in the day if I was to try to do everything myself. Michelle would really be upset with me then. But by far, 1,000% people, a line out of um, Gina Wickman's book, Traction, right people, right seats.
0: I do like that approach. It is that effort of sort of pulling people into it and, yeah, you know, how you go about that. That is cool. Actually, a quick thing, since you keep bringing up your partner, we just had... Um, I guess where her company they have a um, app that helps couples work on the relationship on a you know, a deliberate day in day out practice, coupleness. So I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: oh, oh! You mentioned partner. I'm thinking, you meant business partner. You meant Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she's she's my other half. So it's you know I I refer to her often. So her and I, you know, we we've been together a long time. She's uh, 10 or 11 years or something like that. But anyway, we actually met in the real estate business and she's the one who, you know, she's a very hard worker. She's 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 very passionate about, about her business. She's in in uh, actually in title insurance, but she is somebody who reels me back in a lot because her job is very regimented. You know, it's like nine to five, you know, typical office job where me, I'm, you know, as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you find yourself doing the same. It's kind of like, it's hard to turn it off, right? Because there aren't like stated hours or, you know, it's your baby, right? And and I love what I do. So it's very, you know, if I was in insurance, I probably it'd be easy to turn on and off. You know, I refer to her um, not often, but in this context, because she's she reels me in a lot. So,
0: well, oh, very cool. Yeah, no, I kind of reference because I've heard similar things on my home front <laughs> that you've referenced around <laughs> that. I
1: think we all have. <laughs> you know, (laughs) male, female, whatever. I think we all have, because if you have that entrepreneurial bug, you know, sometimes you get uh, lost in the weeds, you know, and, uh, and, you know, you don't mean to be distracted or not paying attention or whatever, but um, you know, but it happens.
0: That's why I think, you know, I'm trying to take from listening to folks like you that, you know, you take deliberate effort. I'm not saying you do in your relationship, but you are talking about this deliberate effort around your own business. I'm trying to bring that more into it. Like I said, using this app, coupleness and other things, it is this kind of like, all right, you know what, if it works here, maybe it's actually a good thing. (laughs) We'll leave the jury out there. Given that you do work, you know, your business is something that is helping businesses as they're in that kind of, what I call that lovely scaling transition, not that they are deliberately, but that, you know, I would assume a lot of them are in this kind of half a million to early seven figure range as a real estate business. What advice do you give to help them? Because to me, that's always that first big jump. Like it's almost impossible to get a business that actually makes something out of nothing. I mean, that's impossible, you know, but somehow we do it. But then all of a sudden that time we think we should be able to breathe is when all of a sudden the complexity just starts increasing. What do you say to people in that position? What's your main advice you give them?
1: Yeah, well, you know, t- just, to, just to kind of piggyback, I agree with you 100%. The majority of the people that come to us are sub when they start because they're typically starting out or they're trying to make that transition from a one-man band. They're typically sub one million for a lot of our clients, it's not so much the step from X revenue to, you know, to X revenue or, you know, the the, the financial aspect. It's a lot of times it's something as simplistic as, you know, as I alluded to earlier, there's not enough hours in a day. Well, you know, you need help. So a lot of times people will say, you know, look, it's just me or it's me and one or two other folks and I need to achieve this or that, whatever the next step might be. So for example, maybe if they're doing rehabs, it's entering a new market. Or, you know, maybe if they're a real estate agent, it's, uh, it's bringing on a, a new team member. Because we service, Real Estate Project Solutions services anybody in the real estate space. So for us, a lot of times it's not even financial, but in terms of advice, what I always go back to is what has helped me, which is again, right people, right seats. So I always tell people, you know, try to take it slow. Okay. And one thing that that I, I really harp on is something that I learned from one of the biggest residential developers in Philadelphia, a guy by the name of Vince Viney, and that is- slow to hire quick to fire. And, you know, obviously everybody can interpret that, you know, we mean by that, but essentially he was referring specifically to contractors. And what he said when he elaborated was, you know, you have to understand that when things go bad in the real estate business, and I believe this applies to basically almost all businesses and quite honestly, almost all life situations too. When things go bad, they typically do not get better they either stay the same or get worse. So your best bet instead of trying to patch things up and I think we all kind of have that tendency because we're, you know, we're we're hopefully thoughtful considerate human beings, instead of trying to patch things up, it's better to just say, "You know what? Let's part ways and see you later." And hopefully there's no bad blood and it's all good. But that is the biggest piece of advice that I try to put forth to people is slow to hire, quick to fire, especially with outsourcing because Finding the right person is not that easy. It's not you know it's not necessarily that difficult, but it's not that easy. What's more difficult is retaining the right people and then incentivizing them in a way where you can get the maximum productivity out of them.
0: I like that. I think you know since you've built your business around this, it is something that I think a lot of us we say this but it is very hard for a lot of people to be able to understand what that means and how to bring it in. You know, I know in my own case I have a tendency of hemming and hawing when I know it's time to pull the plug and that's something that doesn't do anyone favors cuz you know, you're, you know, I hated getting fired when the little bit of time in my 20s when I actually worked for other people once upon a time. But In the end, it actually ends up being better because you get to go off and do something that you're probably going to be better off at. It's just, oh, that feeling sucks. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Nobody wants to fire or be fired. I mean, we're, you know, listen, for the most part, you know, as human beings, we're all compassionate. We're, some of us are irrational and overthinkers and all that. And that only makes things worse. But the reality is, most people make decisions based on emotion. And the thought of termination, uh, something ending, firing someone, however you want to look at it, is not a positive. Although, it, frankly, it should be, to your point. I think a lot of people, like I remember the handful of times that I was fired. See, I started the real estate business at a pretty early age. So there were only a couple of instances where I was fired. And it was mostly like as a kid, you know, working. I worked at a candy shop and stuff like that. But I look back now and every one of those situations was positive because it helped me grow and it helped me understand what I did wrong or maybe what I did right which led to the termination. So for me it was really positive. It was just, you know, that initial entering the workforce experience and understanding how to act, what to do, what not to do, but I think unfortunately a lot of people see it as a negative and then yeah, you know, they feel bad and then it's like, well, you know, what's a person going to do and it, or maybe they're afraid to do it, right? So like I recently let go some higher level people. I got someone else to do it because I tried to do it the first time and I couldn't because the person had been with me for seven years and I just couldn't about six and a half years, I couldn't do it. but it had to be done. So I certainly understand when when people, you know if and when people have difficulty moving on or separating, But again, that's why you hire us, right? Because, you know, someone could say, I'm not happy. And we say, no problem. We'll make a switch.
0: That's why I'm curious as you guys roll out into the broader industries, I do think this is going to be an interesting thing to see. And I think we're seeing these types of businesses come. Like we had the founder of We Are Rosie, which is doing companies for high, you know, the typical talent you would hire from an ad agency you know, and have the ad agency take care of everything. They're doing the middle ground. Instead of bringing everyone in house, they're offering like, we'll go find you these talents for these projects. We'll treat them. Now they take care of everything. Their magic is they treat everyone, their rosies as they call them as full-time employees or full benefits, even if you're only working an hour a week, which is a little bit of magic, you know, on their business model. But it's the same thing, and this is what's interesting as you go because they're going at the enterprise level. You're looking at the folks in you know, providing this really cool thing who are still trying to figure it out, and kind of bringing in this talent, this globalized talent layer. I really am curious to see as you expand beyond real estate how this works because. Ever since I closed my business, I was like, I'm never having an office again. (laughs) (laughs) I am never. (laughs) I'm
1: in the process of moving my office. So believe me, I understand. I feel your pain.
0: Having globalized talent, you know, having moved to Spain five years, Americans working with me and all that. It's just the idea that you can work more on, like you said, that kind of relationship, the team structure and the deliverable, you know, of what we're trying to do when you're not as much covering everything else. There is benefits to the European system where the state, you know, won't go too far, covers a lot of the things that businesses in the US have to cover. Therefore, there's that weird relationship that companies and employees have in the states. But then there's the flip side of like, well, yeah, you know, the Europeans pay it by the fact that you pretty much pay everyone forever after you they don't work out. Oh yeah. So, well yeah. there's yeah, there's pro
1: there's pros and cons. It's funny. We try to provide not only a service, but also the consultative piece, right? You know, we're interviewing somewhere between like, say five and 600 people. We're hiring like single digits, you know, six, 7% of those folks, you know, and a good portion of them don't even last once they enter the training program. And there's a myriad of reasons why people are or are not a good fit. Frankly, maybe we're not a good fit for them, you know, and that's okay. I think that you're a hundred percent right that, you know, most people struggle With personnel, and there's all these tools and resources, uh, you know. But it it, it's almost like an art. Obviously, it's a business, right? But it's it's almost like an art in the sense that you know you have to try to, as I say to people, listen. We want to try to find the right person and increase the likelihood that that person will be a good fit long term. But we're not always right, and you know sometimes, as I said before, you know we had that client, you know, took four tries. Um, That's rare, but that happens. Our focus 100% is small business only because that's where I like to play. I like speaking to guys like you, other entrepreneurs. I like learning from people. And and I'm always learning because I, I can't know everything. I think that it's interesting that you brought up expanding outside of real estate because with Liberty Business Solutions, that's our focus, right, is to step outside of the real estate business. It's obviously natural that I started here. But I think it'll be interesting to enter other verticals and learn Kind of how their inner workings, you know, the accounting space, the the legal space, um, finance space, whatever uh, it happens to be. But at the end of the day, I think that this global economy that we're now in, as a result of technology, is something that's allowed us to really stretch far beyond, you know, just Philadelphia or the United States or wherever it is you're operating. And people who are not taking advantage of it, quite frankly, I think, are crazy. COVID literally in my mind, just made everybody hyper-focused to it because, heck, I don't know, 50, 60, however many percent of people even now are still working from home or at least on a partial basis. So it can be done. You know, Why not take advantage of it? And it's not all just about cost either. There, there's, there's all these other factors because everybody always goes to money, but money is not the, the singular reason to outsource or to engage a, a company such as ours
0: there is a little bit of the arbitrage. The reality is it's becoming more about efficiencies and the what I find so interesting in the the variety of types of talent. You're in Philly, which is a decent-sized city, yeah, I'm in New Yorker, and there were still limits on talent there. And especially when you are in that earlier part of your business journey, it is interesting. It's like it's not cost factor but it is sort of the idea that you can get talent that's pretty much equivalent and have it be a factor lower now there are other costs and other things but you can then move further and you I'm seeing people who I recently was working with a woman from Budapest and she was doing some great work she had been 10 plus years sort of being outsourced roles head of sales and operations roles and stuff And now she's pulling in that, you know, she has the capabilities of straight up what I would say someone walking in, you know, interviewing in a New York opportunity because she had been part of the early wave of outsourcing into Budapest and, you know, all the types of early roles that you would kind of expect, but then grown. And that's what I think is going to be really interesting because in a few years from COVID and because of people like you, Talent is not going to be around what city you're in. Talent's going to be wherever they want to be, and they're going to create things wherever they are. And that's what's cool. It's always cool for me when you see people do stuff where it's like, oh, they work for me. And then like 10 years later, their company goes public and you're like, wow, I wish I had up, but still, wow. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think you're 100% right. Talent will be wherever it wants to be. You know, nowadays- If you have a solid internet connection, a decent computer and headphones, you're good to go. You don't even need a telephone at this point. It used to be phone fax and email, okay? Nowadays, you could have a Zoom account and you're good. So it's definitely, you know, the combination of business coupled with technology I think has really allowed for what I believe is going to be almost like um, it's, it's like akin to like the industrial revolution or like developing steel, you know, over iron or something. I mean, it, it's such a a monumental shift in the way that we look at people. Like I said, it's not a lot of times I see a lot of these articles where they say, oh, you know, hire these people real cheap. And, you know, and then they make some point about it. And it's you're back in New York, you're looking to hire someone. And in New York, you got to pay that person, hundred fifty thousand dollar year salary. Well, you could go out and pay someone half of that. Let's I'm just using round numbers, but pay them half of that, okay? And maybe you get them from Milwaukee. But in Milwaukee, that's like twice what that person could earn. So it's a true win win, and it allows you then to go out and maybe find extremely specialized talents that you know maybe you're having a difficult time finding in New York, or maybe doesn't exist. So you know, there's a lot more to it in my mind than simply just the cost factor.
0: Now, I think this is going to be really exciting seeing what comes out of this. It was interesting because you talked about, you know, earlier about your thirst to kind of keep learning and how you were trying to learn from other entrepreneurs, from the businesses that, you know, you're looking forward to with your new business, Liberty, kind of going out. How do you go about Defining what success will be for you as an entrepreneur—not the that's businesses, but for you.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I define success. Look, obviously, there's a financial aspect, right? We all want to be able to to pay our bills, and and you know, and all that. You know, maybe have some nice things, or uh, you know, maybe some of us have expensive hobbies or whatever. For me, success is more abstract in the sense that it's um, I have to feel good about what I'm doing. I have to not feel pressured to have that flexibility. And I have to be either making people happy or satisfying their needs. That's kind of how I define success, right? If I'm doing something I enjoy and I'm truly helping other people and I'm doing it when I want to do it, and I'm not pressured to do anything, achieve anything. You know, there's no like hardcore goals. Like that to me, that's success. I don't see myself ever not working, but you know, I'm not digging ditches either. And if I was, I'd be thinking about retiring like tomorrow. So, you know, for me, as long as I can continue to help people and I'm not pressured or stressed and I can achieve, you know, some benefit out of it, whether it's monetary, you know, goodwill, whatever, then, then I believe I've, I believe I'm successful.
0: Cool. I am excited to see you achieve that. So, The audience listening to you, they're in real estate, obviously, you know, they should be going to the realestateprojectsolutions.com site for folks who are interested in learning more about as you're building Liberty, where should they go?
1: Instagram at maxfish.me, M-A-X-F-I-S-C-H, or uh, Facebook, you can get me there. The best thing to do is just to connect with us, the uh, Liberty Business Solutions website, As well as the social media stuff is currently in development, so you know reaching out to me directly is is typically the best way. And either I can work with folks directly, or I can introduce them to a salesperson. Nine times out of ten, there's a there's a lot of conversation. uh, I would say casual, you know, conversation before we ever have any kind of engagement.
0: Cool. We'll make sure also in the show notes, and then you know when we send this out on socials, to have all the links for folks out there too. Max, thank you today. This has been really cool. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. You're very welcome, AJ. And thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's been fun. I, uh, I look forward to doing it again soon.
0: All right, everyone. I really enjoyed talking with Max. He is such a great person. You know, very warm, very giving in his conversation. That was That's always fun for me. I jokingly have grown up calling Philadelphia the sixth borough of New York City because it is really pretty close. Just jump on the Amtrak and, you know, a little bit, an hour and a half, you're there. Yes, it's not. It's a whole different culture and all that. But still, I really do like Philadelphia. It's one of my favorite cities just to go hang out so much that, you know, we can learn from Max and just how he's bringing talent into the environment, looking at what the ability to, expand your reach of potential talent for opportunities to kind of look at situations that you may not be thinking you're ready to scale your talent reach yet. If you look globally, you may be able to bring in great talent earlier than you expected, not so much around a cost, but just your ability to reach talent, you know, and then bringing in the workflow and then the type of discussion he was about working with your talent and the ability to create that relationship, that culture. That's something that I know I have. You know, To me, it's kind of like culture is kind of what we do, isn't it? Um, but as we build global and location-independent companies, company happy hour kind of changes its concept a lot. So how you go about building it, really interesting from Max. So please, if you're in the real estate space, go check out real estate project solutions. If you're in the Pennsylvania area and you need real estate, go talk to Max too. But also um, we'll make sure we have updates on his new company, Liberty Business Solutions. And as he goes and provides help for companies beyond just real estate, I think that's going to be a really cool way. And his approach is really nice because it kind of plays well with some of the other companies we've talked about in the past with different types of outsourcing capability so you can kind of look at an outsource school you can look at some of the other players and then work with max's company to you know really develop a really good talent pool for your growth go check out max really great guy please if you like the show leave us a review apple podcast loves reviews and it would help us a lot so please leave us a review Also, go to the site and sign up for our newsletter. That way, whenever we have a cool new guest, you'll be the first to know. Really appreciate it. Also, follow us on the socials. It's been great talking with you today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. This episode of Beyond A Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.